Thank you for choosing Miniaturist of Baptist Church podcast. We hope you benefit from this message. If you'd like to learn more about Miniaturist of Baptist Church, please visit our website at miniaturistachurch.org. Will be forgiven men, 
But the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. So the context of this sin, this sin was committed by the enemies of Jesus. This sin was committed by the Pharisees who said that Jesus did not uh, heal this man of demonic power by the Spirit, but that he healed him by the role of Satan. And so this sin was committed by the enemies of Jesus. The Pharisees accused Jesus of casting out devils by the power of Satan, even after Jesus explicitly stated that these demons were cast out by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we reject the Holy Spirit, we are committing the unpardonable sin. Our flesh, as unbelievers, will always fight against the Spirit and the Word of God. Our flesh, as unbelievers, will always push against the Spirit and the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 says, The message of the cross, which is the, really the whole Bible, is foolishness to those who are perishing. The unpardonable sin becomes unpardonable when we resist the call of the Holy Spirit all the way through life and until we die. So remember we talked about the role of the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit convicts. The role of the Holy Spirit draws unbelievers to Jesus. And so the unpardonable sin becomes unpardonable when we resist the conviction, when we resist the drawing of the Holy Spirit, all the way until we die. After death, it becomes impardonable, unpardonable. That's why we should always encourage everyone to repent and turn to Jesus, because as long as a person has breath, there is an opportunity to be saved. And so that's why it's important for the church and for us as believers to continue to share the gospel with our family members who don't know Jesus because we don't know the word of the Spirit behind the scenes of drawing and convicting. And maybe as we continue to share, they will turn to Christ. Death closes the door and the sin becomes unforgivable. Now, I wish it was that easy. I wish, I wish that was the end of this topic, but it's not, because there's some interesting Bible verses. One is found in Hebrews chapter 6, and we're going to look at that, 4 through 10. This is a difficult passage that kind of um, throws a monkey wrench a little bit into what I just said concerning that sin. And so if you take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 6, I remember when we were studying the book of Hebrews and Jim Ranke was here on this particular Sunday. Jim Ranke is our area minister. Jim Ranke was here on this particular Sunday and I told him, I said, Jim, do you want to come up and uh, do the message on this passage? Because I really don't want to. And he said, no, he said, you can, you can handle it. You can do this difficult message. But this is a difficult message because this is a difficult passage as it relates to um, rejecting Christ. 
some believe that this verse teaches that a true Christian can reject Christ and lose their salvation. So let's find out why some people think that. If you look at Hebrews chapter 6, and we're going to start with verse 1, the author here is saying this to the Hebrew Christians, Therefore let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ, and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance for acts that leads to death. What he's saying is, is hey, we're, we're going to move on from these simple things that you should already know about. So we're not going to talk much about repentance from acts that, uh, that lead to death and faith in God, instruction about baptism, and the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. He says, you, you should already know about. And God permitting, we will do so. But then here's this passage. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away to be brought back to repentance, because to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. Now, we talked about this verse, uh, it's been a few years ago now, when we went through the book of Hebrews. Basically, what we said was that this person, and we're going to take a peek at it in a moment, was not really a believer. They tasted, they didn't really, they, they were enlightened, they, they kind of, they, they kind of were on the edge, kind of like the, the soils. Remember the soil? The seed that fell on the rocky soil. It sprung up, but then because it didn't have any root, it died out. This is a similar possible scenario here. But what I want you to take a peek at, and why I believe that to be true, is found in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 7. So after that phrase, then, the author gives us an example. He says this, Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. So basically what it's saying here is that your fruit is a result of your faith in Christ. But then it goes on, verse 8, but land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless as and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. So, it seems the illustration following that phrase there, those couple of verses, gives indication of non-fertile soil that is ultimately burned. And if you look down at verse 9, even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are confident of better things in your case, things that accompany salvation. So this person, even though he tasted, this person who was enlightened, this person who... Uh, uh, it says, shared in the Holy Spirit, have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the upcoming age. It gives the indication that the fruit of this person was not lasting. Therefore, as I shared 
before, uh, it would indicate that there was some interest in spiritual things at first, but like the soils where the seed fell on rocky soil, they heard, they hear the word, receive it with joy, but it has no root and quickly falls away. That's in Matthew chapter 13. To me, this sin seems to be a sin committed by unbelievers, and that is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, as I shared. And as it is sustained through their life, becomes unpardonable. It seems the calling out of the sin to the Pharisees, which Jesus is doing in Matthew chapter 12, involves extreme hardness of heart and a lack of repentance showing there is no forgiveness. So, oh, we do have that up there. That is the definition from Louis Burgoff, a theologian, of the sin of blasphemy. And I, I, I just want to read it. Maybe you've already read it. Well, I'm not sure when it popped up there, but maybe you want to read it. This sin consists in the conscious, malicious, and willful rejection and slander against evidence and conviction of the testimony of the Holy Spirit respecting the grace of God in Christ, attributing it out of hatred and enmity to the prince of darkness. In committing that sin, man willfully, maliciously, and intentionally attributes what is clearly recognized as the work of God to the influence and operation of Satan. So Billy Graham says that no one has committed this sin who continues to be under this disturbing conviction and drawing power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you're saying to yourself, I, I think maybe I've committed the unpardonable sin, well, it's pretty likely you haven't because the unpardonable sin is unpardonable. And if you're thinking that you committed it, you must have something inside of you that is telling you, hey, you know, the Holy Spirit is convicting you. So I don't think, even though we've talked in length about this, I don't think most of us have to worry about this sin. But the other two that uh, I'm going to bring up from Scripture, I think we must certainly be careful of because these sins bring the absence of Christian joy and the absence of Christian so the first sin that the Bible talks about is this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And uh, as, again, I said there's lots of controversy over, over this sin. But many believe that this is a sin committed by unbelievers. This next one is a sin committed by us as believers. And it's called grieving the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit. And so if you take your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30... This is where it talks about this sin, grieving the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 and verse 30. That's a pretty simple verse. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And so our definition there is this. We grieve the Holy Spirit... When we complacently stay in circle three. If you were here last week, we talked about three circles. Well, the first circle was you not knowing Jesus. And you were on the throne of your life and Jesus was outside of your life. 
The second circle is where you invited Jesus into your life. You put him on the throne of your life and you represent with the S. Remember that we're on the, at, at the base of the throne. You're putting Jesus on the throne. But there is a third circle and the third circle is putting ourselves back on the throne. Jesus is still in our lives. We're still believers, but we're not being controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we complacently stay in circle three. Now remember last week we talked about us as believers because of our sinful nature, because of our flesh. We're binging back and forth between circle three and circle two and circle three and circle two. And we bing back and forth quickly when we realize that we're in circle three and we want to move back to circle two and be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And when we bing into circle three, we immediately confess, repent, and then surrender back to being controlled by Jesus. And so we grieve the Holy Spirit when we complacently, like it's no big deal, just stay in circle three. When we sin, we cause the Holy Spirit's sorrow, and God the Father is displeased with us, much like an earthly father is grieved when a child is disobedient. And then usually, if you've got a good earthly father, and we have a good heavenly father, usually discipline follows when we have grieved our heavenly father and when we have grieved our earthly father. The word grieve means bringing pain or sorrow. We bring pain and sorrow to Jesus and the Holy Spirit when we stay in unrepentant sin. When we stay in circle three, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. And we can measure our Christian conduct in light of the descriptive phrases concerning the Holy Spirit. And so, as one of my study books, I have uh, Billy Graham's book, written many years ago, about the Holy Spirit. And Billy Graham goes on to say that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. These are scripture verses. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. So anything false, anything deceitful, or hypocritical, grieves him. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of faith. So doubt, distrust, anxiety, and worry grieve him. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. So whatever is hard, bitter, malicious, ungracious, unforgiving, or unloving grieves the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of holiness. So anything unclean, defiling, or degrading grieves Him. What happens when we grieve the Holy Spirit? Ordinarily... The Holy Spirit delights to take the things of Christ and reveal them to us. He also imparts to us joy, peace, and gladness of heart. But when we grieve Him, this ministry is suspended. So many years ago, I drove a church bus, and we drove that church bus all around, and it was an old church bus. And I do remember having to get on both feet and pushing those brakes to get that thing to stop. I mean, it was a scary bus. We called it the old gray mare because it was an old gray school bus. And uh, I remember driving a group of uh, students up to our summer camp, and it was up in the mountains. And so we were driving this old gray mare up in the mountains, and it started sputtering. 
and uh, I'd push on the gas, and it just wouldn't go, and, and uh, you know, going up Mountain Road, you're just kind of, you know, in uh, two lanes, basically, and so it, then all of a sudden it would, it would go again, and then all of a sudden it would stop again, and so finally we pulled over, and uh, I know absolutely nothing about car engines, and so many of you know probably exactly what the problem was. Well, I didn't. But in time, some of the high school boys who were in shop class uh, got out of the uh, bus with me and we started looking at this old engine and we found that there was a small crack in what? The fuel filter. I don't know. Did, did you say that? You said the wrong thing. There was a small crack in the fuel filter. Now, the fuel filter on the old gray mare was about this big. And it had a tube that came this way and a tube that came that way. And the fuel, when you push the gas pedal down, fuel would come out the little crack and air would come out the little crack and it just wouldn't go from one tube to the other through the fill filter. Bo is back there saying, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. That little fuel filter stopped a 25,000-pound church bus cold in its tracks. Our sin grieves the Holy Spirit, and the longer we live with it, the more our Christian life is clogged. We don't lose the Spirit. We don't lose the Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 says we don't lose the Spirit because the Holy Spirit living inside of us is a guarantee of our future glory. But my spiritual life sputters. My spiritual life sputters. Unrepentant sin clogs your spiritual life. Do you remember uh, last week in the illustration how you move from three, if you're in three, back to two? It's the same way you move from one to two. Remember the two words? Confess, repent, and submit. Submit. When you have unrepentant sin, when you are grieving the Holy Spirit, you do exactly the same thing that you do when you became a Christian. You confess your sin. You repent of that sin. You say, Lord, I don't want to do that anymore. And you turn around and you surrender back to Jesus being on the throne of your life. So that's one of the sins that we as Christians can commit, the grieving of the Holy Spirit. The next one, sin number three, is called the quenching, quenching of the Holy Spirit. The quenching, quenching the Holy Spirit. And uh, that title uh, or definition is this. When we quench the Holy Spirit, we put the fire out. This inhibits the love and power of the Holy Spirit as He seeks to carry out His divine purpose through us. Now the passage for that is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. And this is a simple verse. If you ever need to memorize some verses, you should memorize verse 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. You can, you can get a whole bunch of verses there memorized with just a few sentences. 
So 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says, Do not put out the Spirit's fire, or do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. To grieve brings pain and sorrow to the Holy Spirit. To quench the Holy Spirit means to put out or to put a damper on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is pictured as fire in the Bible. And when we quench the Holy Spirit, we put out God's fire. Now, all of you are aware, fire needs a fuel source. It needs air, it needs wood, or whatever it's burning. And when the fuel source is gone, fire goes out. So we have a fire ring over here. Tony and Donna have said that they've used the fire ring over there, and that's fun. With the family, roast some marshmallows, but when you run out of air, the fire will go out. Hopefully you're not going to run out of air over there. But you will possibly run out of wood. And so when you run out of wood, the fire goes out. You need fuel source to have a fire. What is the fuel source for Christians? Well, prayer. That's a fuel source. God's Word. That's a fuel source. Fellowship, being together in the body of Christ. That's a fuel source. Sharing our faith. That's another fuel source. All of those are good fuel sources. No fuel source, no fire. And so you get what I'm going with here. If you are struggling in your Christian walk, maybe you are quenching the Holy Spirit because you have not allowed yourself any fuel source as Christians. Maybe your prayer life stinks. Maybe you're never in the Word. Maybe you come to church only once or twice a year. Maybe you've never shared your faith. Those are all good fuel sources, and if you're not doing those things, then you are quenching the Spirit. The fire goes out. But you may have a fuel source, but guess what? Your fire can also be extinguished. How do you extinguish a fire? Well, hopefully... You, when you're done with your fire and you still got some, some uh, hot coals, you pour water on your fire, don't you? You throw some dirt on your fire. If you had a blanket and if it was appropriate, throw a blanket on your fire. That's how you extinguish a fire. So, when we criticize, when we gossip, when we belittle, when we are unkind, when we are unforgiving... We are throwing water on the Spirit. We are quenching the Spirit. One of the saddest days of my life as a pastor and a dad was when our middle son, Wesley, was probably five or six years old. And we were practicing for a Christmas program. And Wesley was very much into singing. And we even did a sermon one time on uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And Wesley sang that song in big church in front of all the people. He really loved to sing. And so he was very much aware of the words to the song we were going to sing in our Christmas program. And he would practice them and he would belt them out. And he was just loving to sing those Christmas songs. I remember... The children walking up in front of the church getting ready to sing. And I remember the song starting off and Wesley just 
was excited to be a part of that choir program, and just when the song started, he belted it out. And a little boy next to him, actually a little bit older boy, Elvis. As a dad, I just felt like you just quenched the fire that was in my son to sing those Christmas songs. And you know what to this day? I've ever heard my son sing in church. And I'm not saying that that was the only reason. You know, there's probably a lot of other reasons. But that was something that happened in my family. And that happened a long, long time ago. He's 32 years old. And I still remember that kid elbowing him because he sang too loud. I hate to say it, but sometimes in churches, we got too many people that do this. I call them Eeyores. We can't afford that. We, uh, we've done that before. Why do those people raise their hand during worship? That kind of music I don't like. And I think when we have that mentality, we quench the Holy Spirit. We extinguish the flame. And what's even sad is we extinguish the flame of Christians who have the fuel source. They're excited about their faith. They want to see people come to Christ. They want to worship in a true and wonderful way on Sunday mornings. And we are just the Eeyores of church. And we just say, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, everybody know who Eeyore is? He's uh, Tigger's donkey friend who just puts a damper on everything and quenches everything. And so, these two sins, you know, we, we might be able to throw away the one blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's for non-Christians. But these two sins, grieving the Holy Spirit and quenching the Holy Spirit, are ones that we've got to be careful. And so, at the very bottom of your bulletin, it says this. <clears throat> it says this. Have you grieved or quenched the Spirit in your life? And if you have, confess and surrender, and then walk each day controlled by the Holy Spirit. Billy Graham says it this way to conclude this little chapter in his book. Resist not his incoming. So blasphemy of the Holy Spirit would resist his incoming. Resist not his incoming. Grieve not his indwelling. And quench not his outgoing. I thought that was a good phrase. Or phrases. Resist not his incoming. Grieve not his indwelling. And quench not his outgoing. Oh my goodness, good time. Aren't, aren't we having fun? You know why? Always I have a two-pager. Today I have a three-pager. Alright, let's start. Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, boy, it, it's... Uh... Thank you for listening to our podcast. Minatrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching scripture, biblical obedience, community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minatrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minatristachurch.org and come by for a Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you.